Hello everyone, Andrew, very welcome along to the RacingNews365.com Formula One podcast. And of course it is a flash podcast because we're looking back over the events of the first day of testing in Bahrain. And of course there's been a lot happening off track as well in the last couple of days. So I'm joined by Editorial Director Dieter Rankin who comes to us live from Bahrain today. Dieter, what can you tell us about today? How's, how's your day been? Well, a very good evening to, to all our listeners. Uh, thanks for joining us. It's, it's really been great to be back in Bahrain. Uh, you know, it, it's obviously a staple in the in the month of March for Formula One. Um, but of course, it's the first time that we've had some um, pre-season testing here for many, many years. Uh, and uh, it's it's been a great day, to be very honest. Uh, the weather's wonderful. It's been 26 degrees. It's, it's uh, dusk now. I've just left the circuit. Uh, all in. I mean, obviously, we had the excitement of the Mercedes side pods this morning. Uh, people are still trying to see what they can make of them, whether it's going to work or not. The big difference, Thomas, is that, of course, teams have got um, uh, freedom under the new regulations. There are restrictions, but there's a fair amount of freedom for creativity. The interesting thing is that uh, sort of five teams have found five different solutions. If you look at the Ferrari solution, compare it to the Red Bull solution, to the Mercedes solution that we see today, um, the um, the Sauber solution is different. The teams have all found different solutions to these these new regulations, which of course is very very interesting. The big question is, can all ten all be equally right? And I doubt it. So I think that what we're going to see is a gradual convergence whereby teams will be looking at others. They'll be seeing what ideas they can pinch. And I think we'll have a, a slight convergence. The complicating factor, of course, is that we have a budget cap. In the past, if you got it wrong, you'd send your marketing director out and say, listen, we need another 10 million. We've got to do a different floor, a different rear wing, or whatever the case may be. He comes back with a new sponsor. You stick the stickers on the side. You've got 10 million to go and do the business. Under the budget cap, you don't have that. Even if he finds 10 or 15 or 20 million, you can't spend it because teams are capped to a maximum of $140 million for the season on, can I call it, on performance matters. So marketing is excluded, hospitality costs are excluded, certain salaries are excluded. But for the rest, all the teams have got the same amount of money to spend. And when 10 teams have got 10 different solutions to the regulations, somebody is going to be wrong and can't find the money to fix it because they can't spend it, even if they found it. So that's going to be very, very interesting. And I think that will be the story of this season. So looking at those Mercedes side pods and, and the mirror design, Dieter, um, we, we heard some comments today from the likes of Ferrari's Matteo Bonotto saying maybe they're not within the spirit of the regulations. What did you make of those comments? Do you think Mercedes are maybe pushing the boundaries a little bit too much? Uh, absolutely they are, and good luck to them. You know, this is the whole point of Formula One, where you take a set of regulations and you build the very, very best car that you can under those regulations inside the budget cap. That's the essence of the sport. And, you know, drivers push to the very, very limit. Drivers are also often accused of not driving within the spirit of the regulation. But frankly, if there's a difference between the spirit and the wording of the regulations, then the wording of the regulations is wrong because the spirit and the wording should be one and the same. Now, Formula One's managing director, Ross Braun, warned towards the end of last year that if there were any kind of outlying teams in in terms of performance, um, that maybe steps could be taken to to curtail that performance. Do you think that is still a realistic threat? Um, I don't think 
So I think that was really firing a, a warning shot across the bows of the teams to say, don't go too outlandish. Ultimately, it is a lot easier to change the regulations now than it used to be. In the past, you needed anonymity if anything was going to happen in the immediate future. Nowadays, you need what is called a supermajority, so only 80% of the teams need to agree. But let's not forget that Mercedes have got four teams in their pocket because they supply engines to themselves plus three others. Um, then, you know, the, you've, you have the other teams who some of them are probably going to look at it and say, well, do we really want to go along with this? Um, you know, is, do we uh, want to see some creativity banned? And I think you'll find that they'll battle to get together 80% vote against that. Now, Dieter, since the last time we spoke on the uh, final day of the Barcelona test, there's been an awful lot happening down at the Haas team. Ural Kali are gone as a sponsor. Nikita Mazepin is gone as a driver. And back comes the very, very popular Kevin Magnussen. How happy are you to see Kevin back on the grid? I'm, I'm delighted to see K-Mag back. You know, I call him K-Mag because that was a sort of popular nickname in the paddock back in the day. Um, a really, really great driver. Um, been dealt some some poor cards occasionally. Um, I'm pleased that he's been given effectively his third chance at Formula One because he came originally with McLaren. Then he sat out a year. Then he raced with Renault. Then he moved across to Haas. And... Um, He's now really, it's the second time that he's been given a second chance. So I'm delighted that uh, Haas have picked him. But of course, the team does face some uphill. You know, they, they've really picked up some bad luck recently. I mean, the, the Oral Collie deal was obviously a calculated risk or calculated gamble where um, Gene Haas and, and Günther Steiner, the team principal, said to themselves, well, let's take the money and let's hope for the best. And Nikita Mazepin came as part of that deal. Um, obviously, that's gone sour as a result of the um, Ukraine war. Uh, so they needed to move very, very quickly. However, you know, the sort of stuff that's happened to them is that last year, going to Brazil between uh, the Mexican Grand Prix and the Brazilian Grand Prix, the freight got delayed in Miami. Yes, some some other teams are also affected, but the one worst affected was, of course, Hass. This time round, the FOM freight and one team's freight got delayed due to an engine problem on one of the, the cargo Boeing 747s. Guess whose freight was delayed to the degree that they couldn't participate in uh, the morning session this morning? So, you know, the guys have really had some bad luck, and I think it's about time that the tide turned for them. But talking about that, I, I went and investigated this entire um, aircraft uh, problem that they had, and I sincerely hope that this isn't an indicator of a wider problem Formula One could face shortly, because I'm told that the minute this, they, they were advised that this cargo plane had lost an engine and couldn't fly, it took almost six days to find a substitute. What had happened is that during the pandemic, when air freight got cut back massively, when passenger flights got cut back massively, um, these various airlines put their, their aircraft into dry storage and they haven't pulled them out yet. And of course, you've now got an upswing and there are not enough aircraft to service the world's freight. And I'm told of, of some really, really uh, fraught negotiations purely to get the Haas stuff here. Um, and in fact, they eventually got here only as a result of DHL really pulling the, out all the stops to get the freight in here. And, you know, when we have a look at the very packed calendar 
all of it relying on air freight to some degree or other. Yeah, there is some sea freight, but, you know, a lot of this stuff has got to be flown from one race to the next within two or three days. And I sincerely hope that we don't end up having to cancel a race simply because there aren't enough aircraft to transport Formula One stuff. Well, hopefully not, Dieter. Uh, but in this case, it is force majeure for, for the Haas team. And as such, they are going to be allowed to make up some of that testing time uh, over the next couple of days. But that didn't come without some resistance, Dieter. Some of the team's not very happy about the, the situation. Well, absolutely. I mean, that it required, because of the wording of the regulations, which only allow three days of testing here in Bahrain, and for that matter, three days in Barcelona last week, two weeks ago. Uh, Hass had requested to run the morning session on Sunday. That was turned down because the regulations say you can only run on three days. The regulations don't say how long those days have got to be. Unfortunately for Hass, there are floodlights here. And because there are floodlights here, they've been able to persuade them that they could actually run later than the cutoff time here, which was 7 o'clock. So um, the, the big thing is that the, um, uh, the team is able to run after seven but they can't run on sunday so they've really got to pack four hours into the period after seven o'clock over the next three days that of course means that the mechanics have got to work later etc all these things have got knock-on effects well best of luck to them and best of luck as well to kevin magnuson who uh, returns to an f1 cockpit uh, on friday uh, when he lines up alongside mick schumacher for the day of testing but uh, looking at the on-track stuff today uh Dieter, pierre gasly fastest for alpha tauri uh, what did you make of that lap time well, look, I'm, I'm delighted for Pierre, but frankly, you know, there is no such thing as a Winter World Championship. So it doesn't matter who's fastest uh, today or tomorrow or Saturday. Um, you know, there are no points for that. The important thing is, you know, who's quickest on Q3 uh, on Saturday of the race and then who's actually on the top step of the podium after the race. Those are the important times. Those are the important performance indicators, not who's fastest on the first day of testing in Bahrain. And let's be quite honest, today was really the first real day of testing. What uh, happened in Barcelona was an extended shakedown to give the teams the opportunity of running their new cars for the first time. When I say new, brand new, completely different new cars, with 18-inch tyres, etc. So they had really three days' worth of shakedown. They've now got the first proper full-on three-day test, which uh, started today. So, you know, today's times are fundamentally meaningless. You know, the Ferrari was second. So, you know, again, with all due respect to, to Ferrari and Charles Leclerc, uh, you know, it, it's meaningless. Just going back to, to Mercedes and those side pods, Dieter, do you see the situation escalating from here as other teams maybe take a closer look at it? I don't know about that, Thomas. You know, I think that um, I think we'll have a situation whereby uh, teams are going to look at it. And I think that if it's within the letter of the regulations, I don't think anybody has a leg to stand on, frankly. But we don't even know whether they really work. I mean, you know, Lewis finished halfway down the um, the field today. As I said, that's meaningless. But certainly it's not as though they were three seconds a lap quicker suddenly. Now, Dieter, I know you're talking to us uh, this evening from a restaurant. But uh, one guy who saw plenty of restaurants last year was Yuki Tsunoda. 
and he's uh, come forward and said that, uh, you know, his fitness could have been better last year. What did you make of those admissions from from Yuki? Um, it was it was rather interesting. It was humorous and typical typical Yuki uh, style. You know, I, I really enjoy interviewing Yuki. I get on very well with him as well. You know, he's he's unfailingly courteous. Uh, when he saw me today, he came up and gave me the sort of first handshake greeting. You okay? He said, and I said, yeah. You know, how are you? Yeah, I'm okay. Um, you know, the guy's living the dream, and I really enjoy the fact that he's completely unabashed about being honest about things. And, you know, he was asked today about the the fact that last year maybe he hadn't been as fit as he should have been. And um, he said that Franz Tost was actually fitter than, than he was. And he said, you know, Franz is 68, and there he was fitter than me, and I've realized I had to do something about it. And then he sort of expanded on it and said, well, he used to order Uber Eats for breakfast and all sorts of things. And I just thought this was a typically Yuki kind of comment, you know, being totally and absolutely open and transparent. And that's refreshing. It's not something that we we have every day in Formula One. No, and the the, the key thing is he does seem to have uh, realised it and is addressing those weaknesses as well. So all the best to him uh, this year. But Dieter, we're heading into to Friday, the second day of the test and the second last day of testing for the 2022 season with these new cars. Uh, what's your schedule looking like for tomorrow? Well, actually, tomorrow's pretty, pretty full with various interviews that I've got lined up. Um, you know, I won't I won't jump the gun and divulge yet, but there's some pretty important people that I'm speaking to tomorrow. And I'm really looking forward to, to bringing our listeners and readers all the latest news. Absolutely. Dieter Rankin, Editorial Director of Racing News 365. Uh, thank you very much, as always, for joining us and uh, all the best for tomorrow. Thank you, Thomas. Yeah. And um, I look forward to talking again tomorrow. And a reminder that we're doing these flash podcasts every day of pre-season testing. You can, of course, listen back to all of them on our platform, buzzsprout.com. And we'll be back tomorrow evening after the second day of pre-season testing in Bahrain.